Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the State of Play podcast, episode 122. I am Martino Puccio. No pet Berisha this week. Uh, there is holiday, and I think he said bank holiday in mm-hmm. England, so he won't be around. So it's just myself and Matt Santangelo. This will be a Milan-centric episode um, due to the sale of the club this past week. So, Matt, how are you, and uh, what are your initial thoughts on uh, the sale of the club? First off, I am doing fantastic, Martino. Thank you for asking. And um, yeah, I think uh, with regards to the sale, which obviously we'll we'll speak at length on this this recording, um, there's a lot of optimism, excitement, uh, and buzz around the new ownership group. Um, the The initial comments made by uh, Jerry Cardinal, of course, who's the uh, the guy at the top of, of Redbird Capital here. Um, it, it shows a lot of confidence. It shows a lot of understanding of the importance that Milan plays in the world of football. And there's there's going to be ambition. I think, you know, it's only natural for a club like Milan, who just came off their Scudetto, to aim for more, right, on the market, um, you know, domestic objectives. Yeah. Um, and, of course, obviously with European football. So um, a lot of excitement. And I'm, uh, I'm ready to see what the summer holds for the Rosanero. Yeah, um, sale is pretty massive. It is um, the second largest purchase ever in football history, um, just behind Chelsea, who were recently sold not too long uh, before Milan was. Um, And yeah, listen, um, a lot of background with Jerry and Redbird um, in sports, uh, and especially in sports content as well with Jerry, you know, selling yes and then buying it back um, with the whole Amazon uh, situation there. So every time you've kind of heard him talk, if you sit down and listen to some of his stuff, I'm not saying I, I am a Redbird expert of any any uh, stretch of the imagination, but I will say this, every single time he was spoken to and discussed with about, you know, investing in sports teams and kind of how he views it. It's about the fans. And a lot of it is pertaining around, you know, like the culture and that's just like straight away. That's probably one of the most important things that you could do is, you know, you could say whatever you want. Right. And then you have to back it up with talk. And he said all the right things in his initial, you know, statement after purchasing the club, that interview, um, we already got a meme out of it with the Italian American uh, Mm -hmm. caption there. So, so again, I I think he understands what it means to grow that brand, obviously involved with FSG as well. Liverpool do a fantastic, and I told you this, you and I had these conversations. We were just talking so much. We even had a hour long phone conversation about this. We are like, we just might as well just do the pod um, at this point. And, and to me, I, what I see it as is, you know, this opportunity for Milan to take that next step, as you mentioned, like, Scudetto's nice, maybe another one, but Milan's about winning the Champions League. And we needed those affirmations as fans. And Paolo Maldini, the biggest Milan fan of all, um, and the guy who knows what's best for the club, needed those assurances. And everyone was freaking out with that interview, um, taking yeah. some things out of context. But that happens when translations are a tad off or you know, people read what they want to read on Milan Twitter as they do. Uh, you and I both know that. Um, He's staying. Masada is staying. Moncada is staying. Um, Scaroni had even like confirmed that as well. They, they're in complete agreement. So for me, going off of what Maldini was saying and his ambition for the club is like, 
He knows what it takes. He knows the types of players that they'll need to take that next step. And Matt, I can't help but think that in the next two to three windows, you're going to see Milan really take that jump in the market, whether it's, you know, higher wages for certain players, like paying a Rafael Leal MVP type money, right? Like 7 million euros net per season. I think they're going to do something like that. There are already talks of extending Tamori again. You know, Tamori was signed to a pretty, you know, good deal for him. Uh, just last summer, and now they're already extending him. Tornali's getting that deserved extension. They want to get Benacer on that. They already renewed Teo Hernandez prior to. So, Matt, I, I think every rumor and every direction that this club has like taken a step towards so far has been great. And I'm I'm talking about reliable sources, not you know, mm-hmm. um, yeah. just kind of like oh, Calcio Mercato saying is on Yolo Milan sixty million euros figure. Like it's bullshit, guys. We all know that's bullshit, right? So we're, I'm I'm going off of strictly like the Di Marzios, the Skiras, the reliable types, Fitiellos as well. So. What what have been your initial thoughts of some of the names we've been linked to? Let let's take a step away from. I guess if you wanted to, you could talk about the main three that have been discussed, and then some of the newer names since ownership has uh, taken over. So, go wherever you want. Well, well, let me let me go back a little bit because you mentioned some renewals, and I think that's um, a point of emphasis here when you're talking about Milan, right? Because in the past, um, what two summers. We're basically seeing four players leave for free, right? Um, and I think what that also speaks to is not just a Milan-only issue or Milan-only um, discussion, uh, but you're seeing that become a wider theme uh, across Europe, right? Um, Andres Christensen and Tony Rudiger, they mm-hmm. left for free. You don't see everyone saying, oh, Chelsea don't sign players. They don't do this. They don't do that. Um, Paulo Dybala left for free. Bernadeschi left for free. Parasic. So Miki Tarayan uh, rejected a, a renewal to stay at Roma. He's going to enter, according to Fabrizio Romano. Mm-hmm. So what I'm, what I'm, what I want to focus on here before I get into anything as far as additions are concerned is retention, player retention. Right? Um, you spoke about you know Rafael Leao, um, you know getting the the renewal. His current contract expires in 2024, just like Ismail Benacer. From what I'm reading. Uh, these two renewals are priority. Um, obviously, with Tormori and Tonali, it's not so much necessarily down to an extension. I think it's more of a uh, a wage adjustment, a wage bump to uh, reward them for the great seasons they had, and especially with obviously Tonali taking less last year coming into the season to prove himself. So I think he's kind of getting that money back essentially, right? He's getting um, you know the the reward for being so. Um, out to to prove that he's of this great quality, right? So I think retention is going to be a very key thing, right? Milan did renew Teo during the season, Calabria very early, Salamakers, um, maybe Ibrahimovic stays for another year despite the surgery. So I think retention is going to be very important, locking up these guys long-term because it is only going to further solidify the project as we see it now. Now, speaking on the transfer market aspect, um, you touched on several of the key guys that are in the conversations um, when it comes to transfers. Uh, Sven Boltman, uh, Renato Sanchez of Lille, uh, respectively, uh, Charles uh, de Catalari from Club Rouge, Noah Lang. So there are a lot of names, and Zaniolo from Roma, of course. So there's a lot of names being thrown around when it yeah. talks to me about Milan. But I think it's early days. Um, if I'm just speaking on some of the players um, that I just mentioned here and whether or not I feel good or bad about them or I'm indifferent, um, Zaniolo is a, a good talent. 
I just really have to ask the question that are you willing to break your club record transfer fee for this player who has mm-hmm. um, two surgeries uh, to his legs? And last time I checked, those are very important in football. Um, <laughs> and of them, yeah. and uh, secondly, are you have any, do you have any reservations or concerns about some of the off field things and some of the things that are in the media? Has this got too much of a, uh, you know, a risk? Uh, to go after me personally, if I'm being co- completely honest here, I steer clear of Zaniolo. I go after someone like Raspadori or uh, maybe Berardi on a cheaper um, deal. If we're not going to get someone for 40 million, I think Berardi for 20 to something, 25 million, wouldn't be a bad option, but I do like Renato Sanchez. I think he is the athletic profile that Milan need. He is someone who could carry the ball forward. He's a good dribbler. So you, can't ever have too many of those guys. I know people will say that, you know, too many guys in the kitchen, too many guys want the ball and need the ball to be effective and influential. But I'd argue that Milan were spending so many years with like unathletic, slower type players that really couldn't do much of anything. They had a lot of limitations. So Renato Sanchez would be a sound addition and there has to be an addition in the central defense. I don't care what anybody says about the emergence of Kalulu last year. I know he was spectacular down the stretch, him and Tomori. But you're an injury away from essentially having to go with a guy like Gabia. You need another central defender. So while Milan has a great a group intact, um, it's it's not you know beyond the realm of possibility to see them add five to six guys, excluding you know keeping some of these guys that have an option um, or uh, make a decision on like Florenzi or Macias or mm-hmm. you know, someone like that. Yeah, I think I think there's a lot of potential. Um, just even. Like just the wage cuts alone, people like you're talking about like Ibrahimovic, like the important thing to note as well is like the wage cuts that he's going to be having. The, the rumor was like two and a half million euros. Like that's going from seven to two and a half. That's a significant cut. And listen, if he gets that knee cleaned up and he gives you a good six months, like I, I'm not going to hate it. Like it's it, it's enough time to recoup. And especially with what's going to be happening with the world cup. And then, you know, you get rid of Romagnoli's wages. And then on top of it, like if Kier maybe extends, I don't think his wages are going to be as much as he currently has. Um, I think there's a potential for that Rebic sale as well. Caldara, Conti, Samuel Castileo, like the amount that Milan can do by just cutting players um, wages, like whether or not like they retain some of these guys um, at a, at a lower cost or they're simply just getting them off the books. There's just so much money that you put them towards extensions. You put them towards, you know, some pretty talented younger players. Like it goes to Divac Origi, it goes to Renato Sanchez. And, and, and these numbers are, there's nothing crazy. They're not paying anything like out of this world, right? Like Rafael Leao, if you're paying him 7 million net, that's the same amount where <clears throat> Dusan Vlahovic is getting. He's even around like seven and a half. So on top of that, you're talking about what he just did. He was the MVP, so he currently deserves that. But on how good is he going to be three, four years from now, seven million net is going to look like a steal if he continues on this path of, of like this development of one of the best wingers in the world, which I think he can be. Um, I think he can be one of the best players in the world, and I, I maintain that. And to me, I just think it's just been such smart squad building, and then whatever you're going to get from Redbird, you know, they could easily only have to pump in 75 million. And then uh, on top of all the moves we just mentioned, 75 million with that, like, my goodness, like you well, could do fantastic business. And, and, well, there's and, a couple other things too, right? Yeah. Because I think it's worth pointing out, you know, that while we're seeing two other players in Romagnoli and um, 
Kessie Lee for free. Yes. Um, you do make a good point about, you know, yes, you are seeing them leave for free, but the cost of essentially would have, of keeping them um, is kind of, you almost feel like it's, yes, it's, it's, it's a loss because they're, they're useful players and, you know, in Kessie's part, more useful, obviously he was yeah. really, really strong for Milan. Yeah. Um, but you're, you're, you're completely taking those wages off the wage bill. As you mentioned, Ibrahimovic getting less. Um, but also, there's uh, they have Jens Peter Hauger they're getting a fraction on, or that's actually official, right? Because 13 million, yeah, right. Um, and people you know gave gave Maldini shit for that because oh, why would you get rid of him? Blah 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 blah. The guy had, I think, two goals all season and they came in the first four or five match days for Frankfurt, and the rest of the season, mm-hmm. he really didn't do much of anything. But Milan got 15 million for a player they spent, I think, five or six on. So there's there's you know, there's your Maldini, right? Getting um, a, a good little sum back. Um, and then mm-hmm. Lucas Paqueta, who's the subject of transfer rumors from Lyon. He's been very strong for them. The fees that we're seeing are 50, 60 million. If he goes to a Premier League club, Milan are also getting, I believe, 15 to 20% sell on 15%, yeah. Right. So you start to kind of add those things. And look, for a club like Milan, they're not going to be spending 250 million. But if you're adding another 15 for Benz Peter Hauger, you're adding another 10 to 12 for Pakita on top of the healthy financial situation. Rebic potentially. Of, right. Rebic on top of, you know, maybe Samu leaving um, on top of the, the overall balance sheet being much healthier now and the wage bill being in a really good spot compared to a couple of years ago. There's so much flexibility on the market now for Milan to stretch a little bit if they need to get into a little bit of a transfer duel with a club, right? In previous years, it was like last year. Um, and even in the, in, in, uh, in the, in the January market, uh, yeah. Lucien Favre from, from Brest, right. They were yeah. looking to get him. There's, they didn't have that wiggle room. Paolo Maldini couldn't stretch the budget and right. that doesn't seem like it's going to be a, a, a limitation for us. So it just makes it that much more exciting that Milan can go into these, um, these negotiations and be willing to get their guy, maybe at a little bit more of a, a higher price, but yeah. get their guy at the end of the day. And that's an important thing that Milan have been able to really do um, in previous years because of the restrictions they had on the budget. I think it cost them Julian Alvarez, to be quite frankly with you. I think that's another yeah. player that that uh, really. I mean, Amine Adli. Uh, uh, correct, one. correct. Uh, of Danny Tulu- Almo. <laughs> Toulouse. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Danny Almo, uh, Sabazla is another, and, and this is a really important thing as well. I think so. Okay, Champions League qualification again. You and I talk about this at length. And then the Scudetto bonus pool getting in pot one in the Champions League. You know, that's just all sustainable stuff, renewing sponsorships with Puma and, and, and these other places. And we didn't really sign these long-term deals with them that are like five years or so. They were like two to three-year deals with the potential, okay, yeah, we've renegotiated. And now they're worth even more um, around like 20 to 23 million euros uh, per season, especially with Puma. The rumored number was like 20, 20 million euros per season. That's like a five to six million euro increase again there's all this stuff adds up and then just the overall exposure if you saw 250 percent increase on merchandise sales after winning the Scudetto the fact that they're getting back to that global reach like everything that they're doing on social media has been expanding and Jerry's big into this right I I know people over here like even uh, like that that are known that know of him and what they do in the content business and they've realized how important that is and 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 staffs at like Chelsea are double and triple the size with Milan. They don't have that many. They have like, it's probably a staff of under 10 people. What I've heard actually under five people from what I know of at Milan doing content, like stuff like that's going to be expanding. And 
just even the scouting department now, just the amount of resources that they're going to be having, it's it's the little things. It's the smartest club getting more resources. I think they've been the smartest club in Italy, Matt, and they're not getting enough credit for it. And people just want to shy away from it for whatever reason. And that's okay. And then one last point before I let you continue real quick is we mentioned Sabazlai, right? Who were, who were we competing with like club wise for, for these levels? We're talking about Leipzig and Leicester city, right? Like those types of clubs, smart clubs. They have some money to spend because they're really good at selling players at a certain level and then getting some of that money back and then just, you know, keep that train moving. But now if another player has an option, Hey, I can go to AC Milan now and I potentially have a role to start at. If you're a Charles de Catalare, you know, the money isn't drastically different between these three clubs which one am I going to play for and the best opportunity? It's clearly Milan. And that's where Milan is going to be winning on some of this stuff now, because if they weren't able to pony up the extra money for Danny Olmo or Sabazlai at that point, now they can. And if they're able to do that and the wages aren't an issue either, it's a pretty easy decision to be quite honest with you because Lester, a couple years down the road, looking to sell you RB Leipzig. We know how they operate. They're going to look to sell you. Absolutely. So now you're kind of sitting there at this point. Milan's going to be dominating this, you know, very good prospect tier list that many teams are going after. But Milan have the upper hand for multiple reasons. And that is what's going to have them potentially turn into this juggernaut. And and that's what I've totally believed. You and I have believed this for a long time. We said this. It's just going to take some time. I still don't think people like – Milan's not going to be dropping, in my opinion, 70 million euros for a singular player this season. Like Darwin Nunes is not coming to Milan this summer, right? That's not, I'm not going to see that. I don't even think we spend 40 million on like a striker like Skamaka. I don't see that happening. Um, You know, but, but what would you think would be the smartest piece of business to do um, if you, if you're Milan that, that, that is like, you know, fiscally a bit more expensive than what Elliot would have done in past summers, but you know, is still still someone that's kind of more on the savvy purchase end of things, you know? Like, what, what type of player do you see Milan going after and saying, yeah, this is our guy, we're paying a little bit more than we used to, but he's still not, like, the blue-chip Erling Holland type? Um, well, I mean, I think just, just, to, to, just to touch on one thing you said, I thought it was a good point, um, you know, about some of the previous uh, transfer dealings, right, and how you would have to go about, you know, trying to draw players in. Um, because of our situation, because we were a fringe top six team, you know, where we kind of being in that Europa League zone of, of league table, the draw to bring in players was, hey, we're Milan, though. Like, we have this this rich history. We have a lot of, you know, uh, culture. We have such a reach globally um, that, you know, you're going to get that exposure. But the fact of the matter is, is that when the money is so profound in the game today, the, the financial landscape is, is it's it's drastic. It's, it's huge, right? So that's not enough. Like that's not enough to draw a player. And I think that's what really ultimately led to Milan losing out on a lot of these guys um, was Mm -hmm. not having the champions league, not being in contention for things that thing completely switched in two years time with two back-to-back champions league births, a school that though, a great, exciting, enticing project that a lot of young players will want to be a part of because they could say, wow, like Leao, Teo Hernandez, all these young players went to Milan and they're all thriving under Stefano Pioli who has raving reviews from every player that's played under him. So all those kind of components that people look at and say, but it's not the money. And I see people say, you know, we're offering more. It's like, yeah, but you don't understand, right? Like 
there, there are components to a transfer. There are things that, like Teo Hernandez even said it, right? He said that he was close to Bayer Leverkusen, but all it took was that sit down with Maldini to talk, to talk about Milan and like what he could be for the club. And the rest is history. Guy's a Scudetto winner now, and he's one of the best left backs in football. So At least top three, yeah. There's, there's the element for young players to come to Milan, yes, but there's also the element and the, the, the potential for players to come to Milan that maybe need a little bit of a, a shakeup in their career at a 24, 25, 26 mm-hmm. age, right? Like Teo Hernandez, he was Real Madrid, he was Sociedad, he was in Spain, and he was a known commodity. He needed that changeup, and now he was able to get back to being that's the sort of serial top left back in, in the world. So I look at these two um, uh, dynamics, um, and I think those bodes bode really well for Milan going into some of these negotiations. Now, if you 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 asked about a, a shrewd signing or acquisition, Martino, um, I think it's getting ahead of the market mm-hmm. where you're not going to spend 60, 70 million on a player, but if you could spend 25 to 30 to 40 on a player that has some rawness to them, but in a year or two years' time can be like, wow, this guy doubles. Exactly like Leo and Teo. Exactly like Leo. They spent almost 30 million on this guy. Uh, yeah, it was like it was like 25 million cash right. and then Thiago Jallo went the other shaking, way. Not shaking their head, but scratching their head. Like, this guy doesn't have a large body of work. He's mm-hmm. coming from Leo Sporting. Um, he hasn't played at the, at, at the highest level internationally. Um, he hasn't played in Champions League. He doesn't have a lot of goals. 30 million is a lot for a club like Milan that doesn't have Champions League right now. It was a risky deal. It was a risky way. deal, right? But now look at it. That, that's where the player. scouting comes in. That's mm-hmm. where the draw of Milan comes in. Now you throw all these things into the, to, into the, uh, into the bucket uh, that, that I just mentioned. Now you can go out and get a Charles de Catalari who, you know, may cost you a little bit, but man, the upside is... He's so, he's so, he's so, it's, it's unbelievable. You could be talking, you could be talking about like a Kevin De Bruyne type acquisition where he was on Wolfsburg, Kevin De Bruyne, had a phenomenal year. Mm -hmm. And then at the time City bought him and everyone's like, wow, that's a lot of money for this guy. Like for a Chelsea flop. He's been what a top five midfielder for how long? Sometimes even half a decade, I guess. Right. So those are the types of acquisitions I think Milan are going to head and head with. Um, And one last point too, Mm -hmm. because I think this is very important. I mean, it was something that kind of played into my mind when I was, you know, uh, mulling over Invest Corp, who missed out on buying Milan and Redbird, is people are thinking, oh, well, will Redbird spend? Will they spend with the big boys? Will they do um, these sort of splash transfers? And I think it's possible. But I think, you know, the, 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 the words from uh, Jerry Cardinal and, and all the things we know about Redbird and his involvement in some other entities, you mentioned Fenway Sports Group, mm-hmm. you mentioned um, who's under that umbrella, Red Sox, Liverpool, a lot of sabermetrics, analytics. That's really what the, the scouting department is kind of with Milan, if you look at things, right? Like they, they have that sort of analytical mindset going into transfers, what players they like. The players that are coming out in, in transfer rumors that are being linked to Milan, they also are then going to flipping, being flipped around and going to clubs that have that same sort of mindset and approach, mm-hmm. right? Like, I mean, Adley, Favre, like everyone's looking at these guys and like, who are these guys when they're linked with Milan? But then when they go to the teams that are kind yeah. of following that same model, people are like, okay, they're looking and they're following that same suit. And when you look at what, um, if we're comparing it to the American model of under that Fenway Sports Group umbrella, I can really see Milan Martino going in a direction where they do spend shrewdly, 
but they kind of mesh and, and merge that sort of money ball aspect where they look for value. They look for the uh, analytically sound player and metric sound player, yeah. but they also combine it with the star players. Yep. And I think that's very important. It's one thing to have the money as we saw in 2017, mm-hmm. where you throw money at players and you hope that some of them stick, but it's another, it's, there's nothing more dangerous than a team that, has smart individuals handling the money and handling the transactions and handling transfers like Milan do now. I mean, I mean, listen, we're predom- predominantly American sports. Like football is like kind of like on a peg or two below in, in terms of knowledge for me, right? You're a Red Sox fan. We both know this. Okay. Mm-hmm. If, it, if, if we're going, if people want to judge off FSG, so we'll just educate you here for a second. People will point to the to the situation with Mookie Betts, right? Mookie, Mookie Betts is a Hall of Fame baseball player. He's going to be. He's one of the best, absolutely by far. I think he was one of the best Red Sox I've ever seen. I don't think he's the best, but he's up there. Um, and, you know, Mookie was asking for a lot of money. And it is a lot of money. And especially when you have like a faux salary cap in baseball. Um right. Mookie was asking for generational money, money that would like make your head spin in football, right? Like absolutely like getting, he's getting more, exactly 350 million for the entire contract. That's more than what Killian Mbappe is getting. Right. So like you're, you're paying a lot for one player, great player, right? The Red Sox went deep into the postseason despite not having that. And it's not even like the Red Sox didn't try to sign him. They offered him something that would have been considered lowballed, Right. And that, and that's okay in a sense, because the Red Sox, it's not like they're not offering a lot of money for some of these guys. They pay Chris Sale a ton of money. They have one of the higher payrolls yeah. in baseball. What people kind of think or want to see is the fuck you PSG money. But what has that gotten them? What has that gotten them? Like, seriously, for Florentino Perez and Real Madrid, the best, they do business so well. And the reason that they're able to spend so much money, Matt, by the way, okay, is because they're Real fucking Madrid. Because they're the biggest club in the world and they bring in so much revenue, they're able to drop money like that. But it's not like they spend recklessly. They like I, I've done it for 137 work, right? PM work, where I'm where I'm going through like record transfer fees and everything. The smartest clubs that win, okay, the Champions League will go with Bayern Munich. We go with Real Madrid. We'll go with uh Liverpool as well that have won. Okay. They don't spend money like idiots with super large fees for players. They pick their spots. They pick, they their, pick spots. their, if you like Lewandowski on a free, um, like the Sabitzer types, the Yashua Kimmich, um, those types of moves, like Leroy Sané, like great fee. For Vinicius, who was just coming from Brazil. Uh, uh, unbelievable figures. And they're cutting wages like Gareth Bale, Isco, and they're not, and they're not like dropping money for the sake of it. Like Kamavinga is a genius signing. Okay. And the way they develop these guys, they get how it works. Where you see Barca, where they spent all their money, where PSG, where PSG did a great job of actually when they spend big bucks, their guys actually do kind of hit like Cavani, Di Maria, Mbappe, Neymar to an extent when he's healthy. But you get the point though, right? They don't make, but, but they still have holes in their squad. Real Madrid, the way they round it out. And Real Madrid use analytics, by the way, okay? And, and, and to Luis, like, it's not people – I think what people are thinking is that, like, they're going to take the Elliott route, and when a guy wants money, they're just not going to offer him anything. They're going to offer these guys good money, you know? They're not going to give Dybala 10 million euros net per year. No, 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 okay? 
But will they give Rafael Leal, who they think is worth 7 million euros? Would Elliot have done that? Maybe not. Maybe. Maybe. It's, it's on the fence. But Redbird, I think they will. I don't think there's any reason for them not to. And, and that kind of comes down to the whole point is like, but that's a step up about where Milan were at. And this is prior to them generating massive revenue because they're going to be able to consistently do it. And again, Matt, the way FSG works with Liverpool they will pay you something that they find reasonable. They set a number. And if you reject that number, then they'll be like, okay, we're going to have to consider moving on from you. But Liverpool paid up big bucks when they saw an opportunity that they think they should buy somebody. Virgil van Dyke and Allison were astronomical deals. They were 160 million euros combined or 150 that's no joke. It's not like, you know, FSG and, and Liverpool pay nothing. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I definitely think there is this model that people are going to have to be looking towards. And again, it's like, I don't know what people think that, like, what the negatives are to this. I, I really don't. I, th- I think you're just fishing for, for you know, pessimism. You've been, you've been in- such a rut and such a negative mindset for such a long time that we just assume the worst out of any out out of any sort of situation like i have people yeah. replying to me saying oh redbird are going to do this blah 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 blah, blah. they're not going to spend money on what on what basis, basis do you, yeah. you come to that theory like you're just you're just saying things and there's people i don't entertain and i'm i'm for discussion i'm for having the conversation on social media that's that's not what i'm saying here but i think again people just uh, like to assume the worst Everything that Jerry Cardinal had said about, you know, Milan and what he what plans to do and his desires and ambitions and where he wants to get this team, it just gives me confidence. If, if I was feeling skeptical, I would tell you guys. I would tell Martino. I would tell you. I, I, just, I just don't see where Milan all of a sudden just goes spiraling out of control. They're in a much better hands right now, in my opinion, from a financial standpoint, um, under under Redbird than they are Elliot, despite Elliot and all, like, all the good that they did. I just think that going forward, I could feel a little bit more confident in Redbird's um, direction uh, with, with as far as the market, as far as getting new renewals done, as far as retaining those in, in management. I just feel that this is such a big turning point for Milan's project going forward that it's really hard for me to just see this sort of reaction from some fans, not all, just assuming that it's just going to go uh, belly up and it's it's not going to work. I just I just don't understand. After after they're all. getting getting the club for a fee that could go up towards almost two billion euros, but yeah, stadium. but they're going to come in and run it. We didn't mention a stadium. There's even probably yeah. discussions going on about that. So, yeah, like I just I just you know not to not to harp on it too long too much longer, but. I just, I just don't quite understand where this sort of uh, a feeling comes from some fans about where we're headed. It, they, but that's just Milan fan base. It, co- it comes from the same fan base that was reactionary. And listen, like last I, week, last mm. week, oh Maldini might leave. No, he's outspoken. He was outspoken. He was vocal, vocal about his his displeasure with how Elliot handled his renewal. Yeah, it's reading the, the 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 whole Ralph Ragnit situation. He's allowed to do that. He's won so much on the field for Milan. He's how now has that next to his name as a director for Milan. Yeah, the guy has some merit here. He has some grounds to stand on to make that sort of a comment. 
And so, also he puts he puts Redbird in, not in a difficult spot, but he does play his hand well where Redbird isn't going to be in a favorable situation PR wise if you go and get rid of him. Right. Like what what like what are you, what are they going to do to justify it? You could only you have to bring in a top three director in world football in order to justify that firing. They have and, Leonardo, it didn't work, and Leonardo's held in high regard. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, listen, he he arguably had just as bad of a summer as Mirabelli did. And Fasone, like it's not that far fetched that it was that it's not that big of a drop off in awful summer. He still like allocated a ton of high wages, spent 70 million euros on two players in January that didn't even stay at the club for two seasons, mind you. Okay, so like what they're doing here, I think, is much smarter. I think modernizing the club in a much better way is so smart. And you know what? Like. All, all these papers as well, jumping to it when they didn't even know who Redbird was. They didn't even know what the figures were going to be initially. And and if they had an actual chance in the running, all of a sudden, you know, Calcio Financia, like finance, Calcio Finance was, was basically saying like, oh, yeah, they're getting this club on like an, an incredible like uh, deal with with uh, with these loans. And they have like 900 million euros worth of loans. It's like, no, that's not even true. And then they're reporting on 15% interest rates. And then and then it comes out today. Oh, yeah, they're actually around seven to eight percent. And they're really not getting that loan. And it's actually not that. And it's actually financially sound. It was like, yes, because all you financial experts on Twitter definitely a hundred percent know how this deal is working and how massive billion dollar transactions work. It's, it's, it's stunning. The stupidity that you see from people just making assumptions on things, stuff they don't even have knowledge about or even a background on. Okay. To me, it's, it's silly, but if there's anything that we want to wrap up with over here that you think we should discuss before we end this, um, I, I think, what would you say is is a budget after everything that we just discussed, right? Um, that you could see Milan having anywhere between seventy five to one hundred, right? Not including Botman, Sanchez, and and Origi, because I think that's that's with all the wage cuts and that has to do with qualification and pot one and winning the title. I think that's and and the Hauger sale as well. Um, I think that's all kind of packaged together. What do you think the budget is? I think it's a hundred million, hundred to one hundred and ten. Um, I just think there's a tolerance there at the top, right? As I mentioned, that you know, to stretch the budget a little bit. Um, in previous years, Maldini and Mazzara didn't really have that that flexibility. Um, you know, if they they if they earmark the guy that they like to stretch the, the 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 budget on that player to get him in, I think that's going to be available for Milan. So I, I feel more that one ten to you know, one hundred to one ten. But you know, I, I think it's 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 kind of you know tough to kind of say right now, right? Because mm-hmm. you still have to see what the decisions are as far as you know, Florenzi or Messias. Do they sell Rebic? Do they loan out this player, that player, so on and so forth? Does Ibrahimovic stay? Does that maybe you know force them to pivot and to get another forward, right? So I think there's a lot of things that are unknown still. But I do know one thing is for certain they're going to be spending more this summer in comparison to previous summers. There's going to be um, a lot more um, impactful signings versus signings that are made um, under the radar and made on a budget. I do think that Milan are going to spend and it, sh- it should be an exciting summer for, for Milan fans. I will ask you this um, really quick before we end it. Cause I, cause I, I think it's going to happen. Just off of just like, this is me like making an educated guess because of the Messias uh, renewal is likely. 
I think personally, personally, I think Alexis Sellermakers is sold this summer. Do you think that? You're, I don't. I don't see where. So if 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 right wing is a priority, and that's mm-hmm. something they want to, they an area they want to address, right? Um, I don't see a, a a situation where you're keeping Macias and Salamakers and then getting another right winger. I just don't see where the minutes come from. Salamakers played quite a bit last year. I know Macias played quite a bit as well. They kind of shared the duties. Um, mm-hmm. so I just yeah. don't see where those. those especially if you dump Samu as well. I do think. I, 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 I follow this sort of approach, right? It would make sense for them to, to, to potentially keep Macias as that rotational backup option mm-hmm. um, because, you know, it, it would cost around $5 million, maybe a little bit less if they could work four out. And a, four and a half is the rumor. Salamakers can get you a profit right now, and he's younger, right? So I, I think now would be the time to, to make that decision on him. But, again, it's really hard to say because Pioli does like – Salamakers quite a bit, right? This is, has been one of his like ride or die guys, like Krunic, um, since he became coach, right? So it's it's really difficult to say, to be honest. Unless Salamakers can, you know, become a little bit more flexible positionally, he could do a couple different things for you. Maybe there's space for him, and they did just renew him um, during the season, so it's hard to really say. But I think both don't say. I just don't see where you get you you retain both, and you also get a right winger. Uh, and, and again, I, and, and and listen, at Macias' age, he's not getting flipped like someone think. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, because yeah. Milan have the negotiated option of 4.5. I think Salamakers can get you at least 15 or so, but it's a, but it's a profit. I, I would I would definitely consider it if they have the ability to make that sale and they can channel in on someone who fits their profile on the right wing. Because personally speaking, I don't see how and why Milan would go into next season with Salamakers and Macias again rotating. I know that's not that's not Champions League quarterfinal level, in my opinion. You know what I mean? Like, is it maybe good enough to get out of the group? Yeah, maybe. With, with Pot one now, maybe. Um, especially if you had like a Decatelare and, and these other positions. But for me, um, yeah. So where can everyone go and uh, find your socials, uh, Mr. Santangelo, and some of the work that you have coming up? On Twitter, at Matt underscore Santangelo, and uh, follow at MilanReports.com on Twitter as well. We're going to be doing a lot of transfer-themed mm. uh, Twitch streams this summer, I'm sure. Some exclusive information, hopefully, from Vito as well. So make sure you just follow me on Twitter. You'll get all that information there. Awesome. Close to 14K, correct? Over 14K. Oh, you are? Jesus. Um, yeah, so so go and follow us as well at State of Play Pod on Twitter. IG is kind of dead. Um, but definitely go and follow me on Twitter if you have not already, at Martino Puccio, um, and then at PF 137PM, and then all the proper football stuff, making a bunch of TikToks and stuff like that. Um, really exciting stuff over there. I'm going to have Marco Messina and Mike LaBella next week, um, and then hopefully Pet we're going to talk to and then whenever Santangelo is available midweek, that's going to be a really difficult one to grab, but um, yeah, exciting times. I I think this is going to be a really positive summer for Milan. I think this is going to be their best transfer window since 2019. Um, Other than that, like you could listen to some walking.